Hi, everyone. Welcome to Being Patient Brain Talks. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. Well, we all know about this perennial argument between um, uh, beta amyloid plaque versus tau tangles. What's the right uh, target look as we look for a cure for Alzheimer's disease? Today, we're going to talk about tau, more specifically, creating a tau vaccine in order to prevent and cure Alzheimer's. Joining me um, is Professor Norbert Zulka. He is um, joining us actually from Slovakia, our first guest from Slovakia. He's from Axon Neurosciences, which is um, developing this immunotherapy for tau. Welcome, Professor Zulka. Thank you so much for this kind of invitation. So as I mentioned, um, a lot of debate among scientists such as yourself, um, a lot of people have been betting on beta amyloid plaque as the uh, target for Alzheimer's disease. But you um, are have been studying tau for, for quite a period of time. Why do you believe tau is a better target than beta amyloid? Uh, I think that I should start directly with the history uh, of our company because it's uh, nicely linked to the uh, Laboratory of Molecular Biology, uh, MRC Cambridge, UK, where our co-founder of the company, uh, Professor Michael Novak, went just for two months uh, and finally he spent there eight years working together with uh, three Nobel Prize laureates and one of them was uh, Cesar Milstein. And at the time, that was the year uh, 1986, I think, uh, they started to collaborate with Sir Martin Roth, who was a leading person in the psychiatry working on the Alzheimer's disease. And uh, he had a kind of very good relationship with uh, Aaron Klug, who was the director of the laboratory. And they wanted to identify the, uh, the driver of neurofibrillar pathology in Alzheimer's disease. And Professor Novak was a member of the team and together with the Cesar Milstein, who was awarded uh, the Nobel Prize for the discovery of the hybridoma technology, which is an important um, um, approach for the producing monoclonal antibodies. Uh, so the main constituent of neurofibril tangles. So that's the reason why we started with tau. And then in 1999, uh, Professor Novak returned to Slovakia after those eight years and uh, founded a company. And immediately we started to focus on the role of tau protein in Alzheimer's disease, but also in the, in the physiological condition. So basically, that's the reason why we focus on, on tau protein. Okay, I want to go into a little bit later how the vaccine would actually work. But first, I want to talk about, um, because it's, it's endlessly debated in science, and I think it's fair to say more people have been in the past um, betting on beta amyloid than tau. Um, now, the way that we understand the pathology of Alzheimer's is it starts with the plaques and the plaques can be present in your brain for decades before you actually see a symptom of Alzheimer's. Now, tau comes, I, I believe, after the plaques. Is that is that correct? Is that fair to say? Um, 
I, I don't think so. Uh, basically, this uh, this notion is based on the um, on the data coming from the biomarkers. So, uh, bio biomarkers in cerebrospinal fluid or PET imaging, but not from the postmortal uh, analysis. And we know that uh, if we look at the very early uh, studies, uh, which uh, did Professor Heiko Brack. We can see that uh, tau pathology can be uh, present also in a very, very young people, uh, younger than 40. So uh, at least uh, we should say that tau and, and amyloid pathology is present uh, more or less in the same time in, in the brain. Maybe it's only the question of the uh, ability to, to measure the proper biomarker. Uh, either in CSF or by using the TAUPET uh, imaging. And that's the reason why we can see this kind of delay between the TAU pathology and amyloid. But based on the data from the postmortem analysis, we definitely can say that uh, they started more or less in the same time. So that's really interesting. And I have to be honest, that's you're the first person I've heard say this. Um, so is it possible, can we presume, because you know, there's people who have um, plaque in their brains and never see a symptom of Alzheimer's now, whether or not they've passed before they actually have the onset, the trigger of the disease, inflammation, or, or whatever it is. Um, is it possible, do you think, to live with tau as well and, and never get Alzheimer's? Is, is that possible? Yeah, yeah, basically it's possible. It's um, a very complicated uh, uh, process, the, the formation of neurofibular pathology, and it can take basically years. Uh, there are some studies showing that we are talking about 10, 20 years. Uh, so um, there are lots of patients over 85 years having the uh, typical pattern for Alzheimer's disease and still they don't have any clinical presentation of dementia. So um, unfortunately the tau pathology as such is most probably uh, the part of our uh, aging or aging of the brain. But there are some other factors that uh, play important role and that's definitely neuroinflammation. Whether the brain is able to somehow cope with the, the presence of the pathology, tau pathology in the brain, or on the other other side that uh, it can somehow speed up uh, that process. So we know that this could be one of the explanation why we can see some patient having lots of tau pathology and no clinical presentation, but usually after the age uh, 85 years. Yeah. So why, though, do you believe, I mean, if, if beta amyloid and tau are kind of appearing around the same time, presuming mm -hmm. they are, and setting off, um, uh, you know, this process of neurodegeneration, um, why tau versus beta amyloid plaque? <laughs> that, why is that, it a better target? That, that's a good question. Uh, I think that we should go back to the 1906 when Alois uh, Alzheimer described the first case uh, of Augusta D, uh, and he analyzed uh, her brain, showing that uh, both structure, uh, amyloid beta, uh, CNI plaques, and tau neurofibril tangles, 
are, uh, characterize the, the Alzheimer's disease. And since then, uh, we accepted this, uh, this view on the disease because there are uh, many other forms of dementia. And in some of them, only tau alone is a driver. Uh, but in that case, uh, we can see a slightly different clinical presentation. So in other words, tau can do that job uh, uh, independently from amyloid, but in Alzheimer's disease, most probably these two pathological pathways somehow collaborates and create the, the spe specific and typical uh, feature, which we call the Alzheimer's disease. So um, we have a question that's coming in saying, scientists are still trying to figure out the basic functions of beta amyloid. I mean, there's also hypotheses that, you know, maybe some plaque is okay. It's part of the process, you know, um, or, and, and it's when you reach the tipping point and things go really wrong, then you, you're you set into neuro uh, degeneration. But so um, they're still trying to find, figure out the basic functions of beta amyloid. What's the role of tau in healthy brains? Is there is there a role for tau or in healthy brains? Of course, yeah. Uh, maybe I should start uh, with the basic information. Uh, the tau is peculiar protein because it belongs to the group of proteins which we call naturally disordered protein. And it means that these proteins uh, usually do not have the final structure. So imagine uh, like spaghetti in boiled water that they can change the structure, let's say every second. So that's the typical feature of uh, um, physiological tau protein. And that's a great advantage because then uh, it can serve as a um, signaling molecule. And uh, there is one important feature that uh, they can uh, attain the, the specific structure upon the interaction with other proteins. And we know that tau protein can be distributed throughout the neurons in physiological condition. So we can, uh, um, we can analyze the, the presence of tau also in the ex in extracellular space. Of course, tau play important role in the synaptic uh, functions. Um, it's important for the uh, cytoskeleton of neurons. We can uh, found uh, we can find also tau in the uh, nucleus of the neurons, but not only neurons, but also other uh, other types of uh, glial cells. And in uh, nucleus, they can uh, somehow protect DNA. So there are lots of roles for, for tau protein. And this is due to the fact that it, it has no uh, firm structure. So uh, tau protein is very flexible uh, and can do um, multiple uh, jobs. So it's not until it really reaches a tangled state, right, where things go wrong. So, yeah. so we all have tau, um, but when that process um, becomes uh, destructive is when you're actually seeing the tangles. Mm -hmm. So um, you're developing a vaccine. Um, it's been, uh, you just finished clinical two, two uh, trials. Mm -hmm. um, tell us exactly how the vaccine works. I mean, you're only targeting tau tangles, I presume. Um, so is that enough to really stop neurodegeneration? Okay, maybe I, I just want to a little bit um, elaborate on the, um, the main difference between the physiological and pathological tau. 
because it's important for the description of, of the uh, function of, uh, of the vaccine. So first of all, uh, I should say that uh, when we are talking about Alzheimer's disease, uh, we usually say that the tau protein and amyloid protein uh, represent the main feature of the disease. But we should rather say that tau proteins, we, uh, we need to use a plural in case of tau, because despite of the fact that there is only one single gene uh, for the tau protein during the uh, some um, production, uh, we can easily uh, find six different isoforms. No, in normal physio physiological uh, condition, six different tau proteins with a different structure and different function. But on the top of that, there are multiple modifications. Again, in physiological condition, and again, you can somehow modify the function functionality of that particular tau protein. So in, in normal brain, we are talking about, let's say, maybe hundreds of different tau proteins. Different structure, different function. And in Alzheimer's disease, it's even more complicated because there are much more this, we call that post-translation modifications. So you can get uh, um, the huge family of tau proteins. And in case of Alzheimer's disease, we can talk about the thousand, maybe several thousands of, of different tau proteins. So what's the main difference between this group of the physiological and, and pathological one? Um, the main difference is uh, uh, in one very specific uh, modification, which we call truncation. Truncation is normal physiological process. You can find lots of truncated tau protein in the uh, physiological condition. But that kind of truncation is completely different than truncation which we can observe in Alzheimer's disease brain. So basically, you can get the different types of truncated tau protein. On one side, normal truncated tau proteins. On the other side, uh, the pathological one. So unfortunately, brain is not able to discriminate between bad and good guys. There is no, no specific information. Uh, but immune system can do this job. But for that, immune system needs a specific information. And this is all about our vaccine. So, so the, the approach was to find whether the immune system can somehow find the way how to differentiate between these two groups. We are still talking about more or less the same proteins, the primary structure, the, the sequence is, is similar or the same uh, between the normal and, and pathological tau proteins. So how can immune system um, select it uh, between these, these two groups? And we found that um, there is one main difference and the difference is based on the conformation. So in case of uh, pathological tau species, let's say, we can see that there is a specific conformation, specific shape of, of those uh, truncated tau proteins. And the antibodies can nicely recognize these, uh, this type of structure. And it, because it's different between normal and pathological, these antibodies usually do not recognize the physiological tau proteins. So what we did was that we identified on the tau protein the specific short area which we call Achilles heel. It's a vulnerable area on tau protein. 
which is responsible for the pathological tau-tau interaction. That's the reason why we can see neurofibular pathology. And we use this, this short um, part uh, uh, derived from, from tau protein as a main component of the vaccine. Of course, that was very short um, peptide. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not immunogenic. So we are not able to stimulate the immune response. So for that purpose, we use uh, carrier protein. So we coupled this short tau peptide to the uh, carrier protein in order to persuade the immune system to produce the specific antibodies against this uh, very small area on the tau. And interestingly, the same area you can find in both groups, in normal tau uh, proteins and in pathological tau proteins, but the structure is different. So, right. Yeah. So just tell us, tell us a little bit about how this trial. So um, phase two, um, you were giving a smaller group of people the, is it, is it a, um, is it a, what, what, it's an injection? What is it that you're administering? I mean, immunotherapies are drugs that are given to us to boost an immuno response to something, mm -hmm. which is what you just described. Yeah. Um, so how do you administer this? Is it a one-time shot like a flu vaccine or is it something where you, you need to get infusions every couple of weeks? Yeah, so th there are two main approaches, uh, immunotherapeutic approaches, uh, which are widely used in the clinical trials uh, these days, either for amyloid or tau. Uh, mostly the pharma companies are using the um, monoclonal antibodies. So that, that's already final version of the antibodies, and they can inject it, those antibodies intravenously once per month. In our case, uh, the vaccine generate uh, these antibodies uh, in the body or bodies of the patients, and we apply the vaccine subcutaneously, like every other vaccine. And uh, because we are talking about the therapeutic vaccine, not preventing, preventive. Uh, in that case, we need to apply several doses. Uh, in our case, uh, the regime was based on the six initial doses, one per month. And then every third month, we applied uh, one as a, we call that booster, just to, just to keep the immune response in the same level. So what were the results of phase two to warrant um, phase three trials? Okay, so that, that um, one of the most important results coming from uh, the phase two clinical trial was that the vaccine is safe. And that was very important because uh, we recruited uh, elderly patients uh, older than 55 years. So we didn't find any uh, um, serious adverse events during the, uh, this clinical trial. Then what, is, what was the second main point was that the vaccine was uh, strongly immunogenic, which is not easy for, uh, for in general for vaccine because uh, majority, if not all uh, people over 50 suffered from so-called immunosenescence. So uh, they respond uh, not properly uh, uh, to the different type of vaccines. Uh, so that's the reason why we somehow modified the vaccine in order to get the proper immune response in these uh, elderly uh, patients. 
were you able to see that it actually worked um, in terms of you know setting off this um, immuno response um, aimed at the bad part of tau to put it in layman's term? Um, so, yeah. So so the the third point, uh, which is important in terms of the phase three or the, the further clinical further clinical development, is that we were able to uh, to see that the vaccination. Uh, slow down the neurodegeneration. We used uh, several biomarkers for that purpose, and uh, we found uh, a stati statistically significant effect on the on the neurofilament in the in the plasma, which is widely used as a biomarker of neurodegeneration in human brain. And we we also observed the effect on uh, several tau biomarkers in cerebrospinal fluid. And when we uh, selected the patients having uh, the typical uh, amyloid and tau pattern based on that predictive uh, model developed in University of California, San Francisco. We found also the effect on the uh, cognition uh, and some functional assay. So basically we can say that uh, the vaccine uh, could slow down the neurodegeneration and if we properly uh, select the patient in the uh, next clinic trial, it means that uh, those patients will have both uh, amyloid and tau pathology. I think that uh, we will be able to um, somehow replicate or, or confirm the data from the phase two clinical trial. So is it that um, this vaccine, when you're, when you're picking people in early stage Alzheimer's, they've obviously started to go into neurodegeneration. So I'm presuming the vaccine can't um, reverse anything, but rather it could prevent more degeneration. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's, I think that's correct for every uh, therapeutic approach uh, because we need to be aware that uh, um, when the first clinical presentation uh, uh, usually appear uh, at about 40-50% of neurons uh, um, are died um, in special brain areas. So I think that the main limitation is that uh, there is no pain in the beginning. And so the, um, many patients in the early stages somehow ignore uh, the first um, clinical symptoms and they uh, come too late uh, to clinicians. To uh, so that's the reason why we would like to focus on, on early stages, uh, hopefully on so, Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but could this be used as a vaccine to prevent? So if I don't have any signs, mm -hmm. could I just get this vaccine even though I'm not on the road to Alzheimer's, or at least I don't know I am, but I may be, <laughs> but nothing obvious. But could I get a, if, if, if the trial turns out that the, it, it is effective, uh, is this something everybody could use, whether or not you are on, know that you're on the road to, to memory loss? Mm -hmm. Exactly. This is the ultimate goal uh, of our company, that uh, once we will be able to, to identify the therapeutic effect, then we would like to focus on the prevention. In that case, uh, there are several approaches which we can use for that purpose. One of that is that uh, uh, we can go for people, still healthy people, healthy volunteers, having already uh, amyloid tau biomarker positivity, either in CSF or by using the PET imaging. 
So this is the, the special vulnerable group where we can expect that maybe in future they can they can develop dementia. So maybe this could be the, the next step uh, uh, in our clinical development. So I guess the question that probably everybody wants to know is how far away are we from knowing that this vaccine is actually going to work? I mean, you know, we, we spoke earlier, COVID certainly isn't helping things right now, but um, how, how far away, you know, when do you expect you'll know and what will it take for you to understand that indeed this could be um, an actual Alzheimer's treatment and pre prevention? Basically, we wish to start as soon as possible, but uh, due to the COVID situation, I think that realistic uh, date is uh, most probably next year. So next next year, we can start uh, the, the latest phase of the clinical development, the phase three, and then we need to ex um, wait at about four or five years mm -hmm. until the final conclusion. And what about treating things like CTE? You know, the um, a lot of athletes is would this work? Of course, this is uh, one of uh, our next step, I should say, because we know that especially in CTE, tau pathology plays important role. Um, it's a kind of reverse Alzheimer's disease where the tau pathology first uh, appears in the frontal cortex frontal part of the brain and later on the hippocampus and entorhinal cortex. And uh, we um, identified uh, um, the presence of these kind of truncated tau proteins, the bad truncated tau proteins also in the brain of uh, CT patients. So the target for the therapy is there. So hopefully uh, we will be able to, to focus uh, in the next uh, clinical development also on the uh, CT patients. Okay, well, thank you so much, um, Professor Norberg uh, Schulka, um, from for joining us. Um, this is really interesting research. We'd love to stay in the loop as you discover more. We wish you all the luck. I mean, if it could be only, if it could be as easy as getting a vaccine, um, that would be, so life-changing for so many people. So thank you for your research. Um, please keep us abreast of any of the latest developments. Um, it's a topic, you know, we often talk about. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for, for the invitation. So as always, if you want uh, to see these interviews in their entirety, uh, go to beingpatient.com. Uh, please sign up for our newsletter. We keep you uh, where we keep you um, notified of upcoming talks. Um, we have uh, scientists from all over the world joining us um, on different aspects of Alzheimer's disease, brain health, um, treatment, uh, the search for a cure. So please join us and thanks so much for watching.